Hey, welcome to our Hearing God class through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session five called Why God Speaks. And you'll remember over the last several weeks, we've been going over lessons like a relationship with God. We talked about how God speaks to everyone, how the voice of the Holy Spirit and the Bible, how those work together and they're compatible. They never contradict. And then also last session, we talked about the nine different ways that God communicates. And really what we're doing is we're going through my book called Hearing God, where session one and chapter one, they're gonna correspond and that's gonna be that way through every class. So session five today, why God Speaks is also chapter five in my book. If you don't have a copy of my book, you can go to bendixon.org and you can purchase it from our website. And you can also go on Amazon and you can pick it up there, just type in Hearing God in my name. If you want a free ebook, email our office and we'd be glad to send that to you for free and take care of that. As we look at this lesson about why God communicates, sometimes, well really in the past, I used to think that this was an unnecessary lesson or it was an unnecessary chapter. But one of the things that I have found in my relationship with God is that God doesn't always speak to us just to be obeyed. There are many reasons why God will communicate with us. But I have 35, maybe 40 different books on my shelf on hearing the voice of God other than mine. And often the conclusion that these books will make is that God doesn't speak to be heard, but rather God speaks to be obeyed. And certainly I understand what people are trying to say, that God, his words are meaningful, they're not meaningless. And when he speaks, we wanna hear and follow and heed whatever he is saying, amen to that. But there is a reality to the dimension of relationship that we're talking about that Jesus paid a price for, that the father wants something deep with his sons and his daughters. He wants us to grow deeper and go deeper with him in relationship where sometimes he's communicating with us about things that have nothing to do with our response. He's not looking to get a response or any obedience out of us. It's like us as a good father or a good mother. If you have children and you speak to them, there are many things that you're gonna to talk to them about that literally have nothing to do with them you know, obeying you or somehow responding to you. There are times where I say things to my kids like, hey, I'm proud of you, or hey, I love you. And what I want them to do is just settle into that truth. I want them to settle in to the reality of what their father or my wife, their mother is saying. And I believe the Lord in relationship with him wants us to do the very same thing. There are a lot of things that the Lord will say, like I'm proud of you. And we need to be able to, to hear that from the Lord. There are things that he's trying to say to us that are absolutely vital to the relationship that we want and he's trying to develop with us. I remember many years ago, I was actually at my brother's church and my brother and his wife were going to dedicate their children to the Lord on that day during a Sunday morning service. And so they went up front to the, to the stage and the pastor introduced them and of course dedicated their children to the Lord and prayed over them. And my wife and I and our family, we were there to witness this obviously and, and really just celebrate this service of dedication. And so my brother and his family, they sat down the pastor went on with his message, his sermon. About halfway through his sermon, I will never forget this, he uses my brother as an illustration during his message. And he looks at my brother and he says, young man, I believe that the Lord is saying to you, thank you. You didn't have to dedicate your children to the Lord, but you chose to do that. And then he went on with his message. And, and all I can remember is this religious part of me 
went, thank you? <laughs> like everything in me, these little triggers of religion started to go off. Like God doesn't thank anybody. God doesn't need anybody. God, God doesn't tell us thank you. We tell him thank you. I mean, all of this stuff starts going on in my mind. And, and really what was happening was the echo of what that pastor was trying to say is that, that the Lord was just really proud of my, my brother and his wife. And for some reason, I couldn't hear God say that. I couldn't even conceive that God would talk like that. In fact, I had this idea that God, when he speaks, we just obey him. It's, it's sort of this was drilled into me. It was sort of something that I thought. And even when I prayed, I was, I was always like, God, what do you want me to do? It was never, God, what are, you, what are you saying to me right now? What do you want me to hear? Because it might involve obedience, it might not. And so for the next week after that service where my brother dedicated his children to the Lord, that sort of was an echo in my heart. The Lord wants to tell you thank you. And it continued to come, it continued to irritate me and bother me to the degree where I realized that the Father was leading me deeper into his love and nurture by saying, Ben, there are things that I want to say to you and to everyone around you that have nothing to do with your response. I just want you to settle in to my voice over your life. And it sort of led me to this chapter that I wrote, this lesson that we're talking about, why God communicates, because sometimes God is going to communicate to us about things that have nothing to do with marching orders from heaven. And I have found in my ministry, in my experience, that a lot of times when people say, I wanna know what God is saying to me, what they really mean is I wanna know what God wants me to do. And it's not always about doing, it's just about hearing. And whatever he says, you can, res you can respond to it, but it's not just about obedience. And this is what I'm trying to do. I wanna broaden the conversation because certainly it is at times about obedience, but other times it's not. It's just about hearing what the Father wants you to know, hearing what the Father is saying to you. And this is so important as we look at this issue together. I have found that there are about four primary ways that God communicates to us. There are others, but these are the primary ways that I think scriptures clearly reveal to us. And the first and probably the most important reason that God speaks to us is God speaks to us to make himself known. This is obviously something that we see throughout Scripture, and something it's important for us to realize is that God is omniscient. That means God knows the past, the present, and the future about everything and anything. He has perfect, infinite knowledge, the past, the present, and the future about everyone and everything. God knows everything. In fact, that's like his big thing. It even says in the New Testament that that God has numbered the hairs on our heads. Now, I, mine, I have less hair on my head than I used to have, so I, I don't think the idea where Jesus said that was that God actually numbers all of our hairs. I think the concept is that God knows everything down to the details of our very being. God knows everything, and we can settle into that reality. But just because God knows us, that doesn't necessarily mean that we know him. And so when God speaks to us, he wants to reveal who he is. He wants to reveal what he's like so that the relationship that Jesus paid a price for would actually be real in our life. It would be realized. It would be received. It would be understood. We want to know God. God knows our autobiography. He wrote it. He's read it. He's a part of it, but he wants to have interchange and exchange with us. This is what he desires. His knowledge about us doesn't necessarily equate to experience with us. So the Lord 
wants us to have experience with him where we have personal, intimate knowledge about him, where he makes himself known to us. And now there's a passage of scripture in Exodus chapter 33. And what you have in the Exodus story, which I think reveals some of this, this is where we see that God calls a man named Moses. We see from his birth that he's a specially anointed young man. As a baby, even, he's born to a Hebrew mom and dad, but because of what's going on in the Egyptian culture and in that region of the world at that time, the, the Pharaoh had decreed that all children under two were going to be killed. And so his mother and his father, you know, basically put him in a basket and he went down the Nile River and he was picked up in Pharaoh's household and he was raised in Pharaoh's household unto a point where he discovered who he was as a Hebrew young man. He was out one day and Moses, as you know the story, he basically sees uh, an Egyptian soldier uh, or an Egyptian attendant whipping a Hebrew uh, slave. And Moses sees that and he's disturbed by it. So he ends up killing that, that Egyptian attendant. And as he does that, he realizes that he's going to come under not only scrutiny, but possibly jail. So he flees Egypt. He goes out into the wilderness and he's out there many, many years. And during that time, God encounters Moses. We, we call it a burning bush experience. He speaks out of a burning bush, this supernatural experience that Moses has with God. And God calls Moses to go back to Egypt where he had fled from, where he had been raised in, to deliver his people out of slavery and bondage, which all of the Israelites were in slavery and bondage. And now God's calling Moses to go deliver those people out into a land of promise, a land of blessing. And the Bible would say a land flowing with milk and honey, a, a land of blessing that had been promised to Israelites generations ago. And so Moses goes back and sort of to fast forward the story, he delivers God's people from the bondage and the slavery and the captivity that, they, that they're in in Egypt. He delivers them out. And as he delivers them out, they, they trek from Egypt to Kadesh Barnea, and during that time, it should take about 21 to maybe 35 days to go from Egypt to Kadesh Barnea, which is on the crest of the promised land. But really, the Lord has them in this process of 40 years. And what it reveals is that the journey is always more important than the destination. That God doesn't just want them to go from point A to point B because he's not just delivering them from Egypt, he's actually delivering Egypt out of them. And it takes them many, many years in order for them to understand this, because one of the things that God wants to do is he wants to reveal who he is to a generation of Israelites that do not know the God of their ancestors. And so you have many experiences that God promises them, I'm gonna bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey, but they go into a desert land where there's not even any water. And in the midst of that, where it seems like they're not getting what God has promised, God wants to reveal to them that it's not about what you have, it's about who you have. It's not about where you are, it's about who you're with. And so God, in the midst of their lack, reveals that I am the one who delivers you. In the midst of them not having water, he reveals that I am the one who provides for you. I remember Moses throws a stick into this water, this water hole that they're at, and this water is undrinkable, and he throws a stick into the water, and all of a sudden it becomes drinkable. The whole point of this is that at every stop, God is trying to reveal who he is to them, and he speaks his name to them. 
I am your healer. I am your righteousness. I am your shield. I am your deliverer. I am your king. I am that I am. He constantly and consistently uh, shows them who he is, speaks to them about who he is, so that he could reveal to that generation of people that I am the God of your ancestors and now you know me because I have spoken to you personally. Moses goes through this time, encounters the Lord multiple times as he leads the people of Israel. Exodus chapter 33, 11, God says, I'm not the same way with Moses that I am with, like with prophets. Like I speak to him face to face like a man speaks to his friend. And you have this encounter where Moses basically kind of comes up against, through all of this that he's gone through, he kind of comes up against this thing where he's not just wanting something from God, he actually wants to know God. And this reveals sort of the passion that we ought to have and really the desire to hear from God that he would make himself known to us. I'll just read you the passage. Exodus 33:12 says this, Then Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, Bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I might know you so that I might find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. After walking with God for some time have the, and having the privilege of hearing his voice, he also got to go up into, onto the mountain, Mount Sinai, and see God's scribe on tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. I mean, he saw the law. He got to be a part of this burning bush revelation where God spoke to him. He got to hear the voice of God multiple times as he would trek up the mountain and hear what God had to say to, to him and to the people. After going through all of that, seeing all that he had seen, it was no longer satisfying for him to think, that you're going to send us into the place of promise, of blessing. He says to him in this chapter, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. I don't want to go where you're not going. I don't just want to have the thing that you promised us without you being there to walk with us. And this is what I believe God was up to the whole time. The Father wanted to reveal who he was to his people and Moses' heart in the process of learning who God was in the midst of having the seemingly opposite of what God had promised, he came to this place where he, he, his desire changed from just delivering the people or just wanting the thing that God promised to wanting God. And this is our desire as we want to hear the voice of God. I want God to speak to me to reveal who he is. Now, isn't this what we see in Christ? Jesus in the New Testament all over the place says things to the disciples and anybody that was listening to him. He would say to them, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am that I am. I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the light of the world. Jesus continually said to his disciples, everything that you're looking for is in me. What you're looking for is not a thing. But what you're looking for is a person, and that person is found in Jesus Christ. So we see from Old Testament where God would speak to the Israelites to reveal who he was, that he was everything and anything that they needed. You see then in the New Testament where Jesus would speak to his disciples and reveal who he was, and that would satisfy every longing, desire, and appetite that they could possibly have. He said, he is the, the living water. I mean, Jesus is everything. 
God first and foremost speaks to us to reveal himself to us. And this is our desire. We want God to do this. Just like Moses prayed, God, I want you to show me your glory. I want you to reveal your ways. I want you to show me who you are. I don't want to go anywhere and I don't want to possess anything if you're not first and foremost with me. That's my desire. Amen to that. The second reason that God will communicate to us is that God reveals our purpose in his plan. God has a plan. The combination of history and the future is going somewhere. This whole thing, the ups and the downs of, of all of our history in this world, it's not just randomly, whimsically going and God's sort of up there going, oh, I wonder that, where that's going to go and I wonder what that's going to do. No, God knows what is happening. God knows where it's going. All of history and all of the future is going to God's desired end. He knows the end from the beginning. He has a plan. Sometimes in church, you'll hear like, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that's true. I would say to you today, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But God's, God's plan for your life is to use your life for his plan. That's something we've got to get fundamentally into the structure of our being, that this whole thing is not about me. This is about God. This is about what God wants to do. This is about what God is all about from generation one to the last generation on this planet until heaven invades this earth and the glory of the Lord fills the earth entirely, physically, completely. We know that God has a big plan and we get to play a part in his overall plan. And our part is important. What we do is important. What we say is important. What we don't do is important. What we don't say is important. A good illustration of this is basically when a builder goes to purchase a plot of land and maybe he wants to put in a neighborhood. He's gonna build 50 track homes in this neighborhood, buys this huge plot of land. And we know that that builder doesn't basically just go in the day after that he buys this plot of land and just randomly start building somewhere. Like he's gonna build on the north corner, I'm gonna start building a house and we'll figure out the roads later and whenever sewer needs to come in and electrical, no, no, no. Nothing random, nothing whimsical about it. They buy a plot of land, they, have, they basically hire an architect, they have blueprints for the community, they have blueprints for the road, they have blueprints for the sewer, they have blueprints for the electrical, and they have blueprints for the house. Everything that they do, they do according to the blueprint. And God is the very same way. When the builder starts to lay the foundation, they know the finishes even as soon as they're doing that foundation. They know exactly what they're doing and they're doing everything to code, they're doing everything to blueprint. God is doing the exact same thing. He has a big plan, he has a blueprint for his plan. And some of us, we're carpenters, some of us are roofers, some of us get to put in windows, and this is, what, this is the part that we play in God's plan. He's purchased a very, very big plot of land, it's called Earth. And we all are living here and we get to lay the carpet, we get to put in the windows. And could I say that sometimes there are some of us where we spend most of our life trying to be something that we're not. Oh, we don't want to put windows in. I don't want to be a carpet layer. I want to be a roofer. I want to be somebody different than other than what I am. The most satisfying life is when you and I settle in to who we really are and what we really have for the glory of God. That what we do is not about what I like to do or even prominence that others would know about it, but rather significance is not found in everybody knowing me 
or everybody knowing my part. It's found in me faithfully and fruitfully doing whatever God has given me to do. And it's always for his glory. God will speak to us in order to show us what he has called us to do, that we might do our part. And so what we do matters and what we don't do matters just as much. Ephesians chapter 2 speaks to this very thing where the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian church and all, all of what he said here affects every one of us. It says this in chapter 2 verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. So first of all, just amen right there. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are saved by the grace of God, and that same grace compels us to do what he has created us to do. And that verse says very explicitly that God knows what he has created us to do, that there are works prepared in advance. God has no ignorance whatsoever, and he doesn't want us to walk in ignorance. It says he has called us to do specific things and they're prepared in advance. He will speak to us about what those things are in order us, for us to co-labor with him, partner with him, cooperate with him in seeing it accomplished for his glory. And what we want to be reminded of as we look at this lesson, as we think about God revealing our purpose in his plan is, is simply this. And I've said it already, but I just want to say it again that this is not about prominence. We've got to stop looking at what other people are doing and, and, and want to play their part. We've got to think of significance. There is nothing more significant in this life than knowing that you were faithful to what God spoke to you about. There's nothing more significant than that. At the end of your life, standing before the Lord and Him speaking to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That would mean that we were faithful to what he gave us. We were faithful to what he spoke to us about. We were faithful to bringing in our part for his plan. It's very, that is the thing that we're going to be most excited about. God is revealing our purpose in his plan. I remember in 2004, I was a lot younger then than I am now, my early 20s. And I was at this meeting in Eastern Washington and there was a prophet that was there from Egypt, and he basically calls me out of a room of 200 plus people. I, was, I believe I was the youngest person in that room. And he starts to prophesy over me as he pulled me aside. And he basically told me at that time, you're gonna write books and you're gonna go to nations and all this kind of stuff. And when I was, you know, in, in that day, I didn't think of any sacrifice. I didn't think about what that would cost me. I didn't think about hard work. I, I just thought, this guy is telling me that I'm gonna be amazing. And so when you're a young man, you know, you just want people to keep telling you that you're amazing. And so I thought I'm going to write books. I'm going to be an international speaker or, or traveler or whatever. He was just saying all these great things. But what was kind of funny about it is after I got this word and I walked away, the guy told me I was going to write all these books. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't think I really want to write books because at the time I'm not even really writing in a journal. I mean, I'm not even journaling my thoughts before the Lord, let alone writing sermons or or any of that. I mean, I was doing a little bit of that, but not a whole lot, not enough to qualify myself or even to somehow think that I would be writing books. So this guy basically tells me I'm going to write all these books. And, and what happened is after that word was released, I thought he kind of missed it, but I went home after the conference. And before you know it, I'm basically writing curriculum for classes that I'm not teaching. I'm writing sermons for places for, to, 
and I'm not even preaching. I don't even have a platform or a, or a pulpit for that matter. I'm just writing out my life. I'm writing out my study of Scripture. I'm writing out what the Lord puts in my heart, and I couldn't stop. His Word activated something in me. God revealed part of my purpose, and part of my purpose is to write and leave a legacy for not only my children, but for many others. And that is exactly what I'm doing today. And so I thank God for giving me a prophetic word from somebody that I didn't know and I haven't talked to since about what he wanted me to do in his plan. This is what the Lord will do. The third reason that God will communicate with us, and this is, what I, this is how I will say it, is God brings us back to the narrow path. And that's really an illustrated way or a, a nice way of saying God will correct us. God's correction imparts the right direction. I think sometimes we get the issue of correction, we misunderstand that correction is a bad thing in our eyes or culturally or even in church culture, you know, you don't want anybody to correct you. You don't, we say things like, don't judge me, only God can judge me, which if you think about only God can judge me, that's kind of a scary thing. Like God sees every detail and men only see little things. But we say, don't judge me. We, we think that correction shouldn't be a part of our normal discipleship, when in reality, we, we really should want correction in our life. I don't think correction is ever a hard thing unless you're resistant to the very thing that you need to hear. I think that's when correction becomes kind of a difficult thing. But when you look through scripture, God certainly speaks to people in order to correct them and bring them back on the narrow path, that they're they're swerving into the ditch. They're moving towards something that's not what he created them for. Our father, when he sees us going after something that's not for us, when he sees us moving down a wrong road, he wants to speak to us to get us back on the right road, on the right path, going the right direction for the right reason. And so God speaks to us to correct us. It's so vital and important to our relationship with him. When God corrects us, it can save us years of difficulty, incredible pain, unnecessary conflict. The word correct means to set right again, to make past straight, to rebuke, or to point out error. And here's my question to you. If you have error in your life, don't you want to know about it? If you're going down the wrong road, don't you want to know? I mean, the answer, easy answer is yes. But when rubber meets the road, we don't like to be told that we're doing something wrong. If you're like me, nobody likes to be told you're not doing the right thing or you're not doing it the right way. Nobody likes that. Wake up in the morning and think, I just can't wait to be told I suck <laughs> or whatever. I, I, nobody is like that. But you have to think about it more strategically that we are in a process of growth. And in our growth, sometimes we're swerving and sometimes we're moving in ways or we're moving down roads that we shouldn't or they're not the best for us. And the Father always wants what's best for us. In fact, when you look through scripture, there are things that Jesus says to people that are difficult. You just have to admit it, okay? They don't fit into all of our theology. There are books of the Bible that don't fit into modern day theology, but they're there for a reason. God speaks in very clear ways, sometimes in difficult things, but because it's difficult does not mean that it's not good. Everything that God says is good, even when it's difficult, because it's always what's best for us. And that's something that we've got to have in the middle of who we are. We've got to know that just the substructure of our Christian life and our relationship with God, that God will speak to us to correct us for one reason. And that reason is for, it's, He is always about our best interest. 
He's not putting us first, but he certainly is putting our walk with him first of where he's called us to go and what he's called us to do and what that means to other people around us. We might be born again, made new by God's spirit, but our minds are not yet fully renewed. And this is something that God is helping us is to renew our minds. He corrects us. And God's correction, again, is not about punishment. It's not about It's not about punishing us. It's not about making us feel bad. It's about keeping us in the right place at the right time. The Bible is the primary voice of God. And if you look at 2 Corinthians, or sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that the Bible is literally breathed. It's God breathed. And it's useful for correction and training in righteousness that the man or woman of God might be adequately equipped for every good work. But it's useful for correction. The Bible corrects us when we read it with open hearts, with open eyes. But the Holy Spirit will speak into our life and and help that to be real to us. And so we want to expect this and know that this is something that God actually does. King Solomon wrote many Proverbs to what we see as his sons. As a father, he wrote these Proverbs. And he has a lot to say about correction as he's speaking to his sons. And I think you can kind of look at this from the perspective of the father speaking to us as sons and daughters. Here's some of the verses. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17 says, He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Think about that. Nobody wants to lead anybody astray. But if you can't heed correction, chances are you eventually will lead someone else down the wrong path as well. This is something God doesn't want us to do. Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I mean, that, I believe, is the New International Version, but the Bible says that stupidity lies within the person that is not able to heed correction. Man, that is, that is something. Proverbs 13.18 says, He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. A person that is able to hear the thing that needs to be said and they're able to own it, they're able to walk differently as a result of it, that person will actually be honored. See, it's that kind of humility that causes a person to really grow and really develop. Proverbs 15, 5 says, A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence, or the word prudence could mean good sense. They have a good common sense about them. Proverbs 15, 12 says a mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. Think about that. A person that will not consult other people, they're not able to heed the correction of others. They don't invite it into their life. That's a a mocker, a person that thinks they know everything. They're not able to hear. Here's the question that I have. Are you able to hear the correction that God wants to bring into your life? If you're not What does that actually mean for the future trajectory of where you're going? I mean, here's the thing that I think about is that there are people that that we know in life that we have to kind of walk eggshells around. You know, it's almost like we can't say to them what really needs to be said. In fact, as a pastor, one of the things that I think is a profound evil, regardless of who's the one that does it, is to not speak the truth to somebody and to basically kick the can down the road when someone is in our church and, and they, are, they have something about them that, that is just affecting their life and it's affecting other people's life. And instead of speaking the truth to them, I just basically walk eggshells around them and I don't say anything and I let that person leave the church and go to another church. 
and I kick the can down the road. I actually think that's a profound evil. And the reason is because somewhere down the road, somebody is going to have to tell that person that there's something off in the way that they're living and the way that it affects people. And at that point, what could happen is that person could basically make out whoever speaks the truth to them as a devil. They could say, well, you're wrong. Nobody's ever said that to me because for 15 years, nobody ever spoke the truth to this person and corrected them. That's why it says in Ephesians, I believe it's chapter four, speak the truth in love to your neighbor that in all things we might grow up. People cannot grow up if we don't speak up. It's not possible. We've got to speak the truth. And sometimes the truth means we've got to bring correction. God wants to bring correction through us, the body of Christ, to one another that we might be properly aligned in heart and direction. And I find it to be such a tragedy when someone's not open to that. And think about that. Man, God wants to save us years of pain and difficulty and stupidity and foolishness. I want that. If God wants to correct me, I want to be corrected. I, I appeal to you that God is speaking to you correctionally at times. It has nothing to do with punishment. It has to do with a good father speaking to his sons and daughters for their best interest, keeping them on the narrow path. The fourth and final way that I'm going to share with you of why God speaks to us is God wants to speak to us in order to speak through us. Another primary reason is really all about prophesying. In other words, God will give us counsel or prophetic words. And this was actually prevalent in New Testament times. It, it actually is today for those that are trained in the gifts of the Spirit and the prophetic. We're going to have another class called the Prophetic Ministry, which you're going to want to be a part of and register for even now. You can go on our website to register for it. But what you'll find is that the prophetic gift, it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, does three things. It says this, verse 3, But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. A prophetic word is to hear God for someone or, some, or someone as in a, an individual or a group of people, and it's to speak out what God says to you. That's to prophesy. It's, it's a declaration of what God is saying. We hear God and we speak it to whomever he's given it to us for. And when that happens, we give the word of the Lord. It brings strengthening, it brings encouragement, and it brings comfort. How much strength, encouragement, and comfort do we really need? We need so much more than we have right now. The body of Christ has a deficit of encouragement, in my opinion. And we need to do better at encouraging one another. And I believe the prophetic ministry actually carries within it the seeds of encouragement that so many of us need. Because that encouragement is not just something I pull out of my back pocket and give to you. It's actually of the Lord and from the Lord. And so we need to learn the prophetic gift. We need to learn about the prophetic ministry. And we need to prophesy more and more often. Prophecy is powerful when we see it functioning in the church properly. I can, I can share with you, and I just did, that a prophetic word actually helps open a door and set a trajectory for my future ministry. It confirmed and affirmed many things that were deep inside me, but maybe I couldn't believe about myself because I just looked down on myself. But God wasn't trying to make me feel amazing. He was just trying to make me own what he actually called me to do in his plan. And the Lord wants to speak to you, to speak through you. What if everywhere you went, you were asking the Father to speak to you for the people that are next to you? Uh, the grocery clerk that's helping you, the person at the gas station, the, the waiter or waitress at the restaurant, 
um, the family member at your family reunion? Wouldn't that change like your family get-togethers that you maybe so dread? Maybe you were asking God to give you prophetic words. Lord, would you speak to me in a way that I could encourage, strengthen, and comfort my family members instead of just trying to tolerate this get-together? I'm actually trying to liberate somebody in the midst of it. That's what we're talking about when Paul says strength, encouragement, and comfort. That's what the prophetic gift has the power to do. He wants us to partner with him to see lives changed. So we thank God for that. We're going to go into this aspect of why God communicates a whole lot more in the weeks to come. But the prophetic gift is something that we need more and more. And the goal of this message, the goal of this lesson today is that we would broaden our understanding of why God communicates to us. And I want to say this to you again, that God does not just speak to be obeyed. God speaks because he wants us to hear from him. He wants us to absorb the truth. He wants us to obey. He wants us to know. He wants us to know for others. He wants us to prophesy. There are multiple reasons. He wants us to be corrected so that we would realign our hearts and our purposes and our direction with what he's doing and not what we want to do in the flesh. We thank God for the many reasons that he communicates to us. The real issue is that, Lord, don't stop. <laughs> whatever you have to say, and for whatever reason that you want to say it, all that I say to you is never stop speaking to me. Help me to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Are you able to hear all that God wants you to hear? Is, is your understanding on the voice of God broadened? When you ask God to speak to you, are you only asking for marching orders? Are you just asking for direction? And what I want to do is I want to close our time by asking the questions that are at the end of the section of chapter five, which is what I always do in every lesson. And so here's what I have for the first question as we close our lesson today. And the first question is this, have you ever overlooked what God is saying to you because you are looking for him to say something else? Oh, come on, I'm guilty of that. How does it help you to know the different reasons that God communicates? Does it help you? Do you find yourself constantly asking God just for direction? but never asking God how he sees you. What if we have a hard time loving ourselves, or even enjoying ourselves, or appreciating ourselves? not that we have to pat ourselves on the back all the time, but what if we loathe ourselves and God's perspective, his voice over us could actually come and liberate the way that we think about ourselves and others? What about the way that we think about ourselves is the way that we think about others? And God comes and speaks to us and shares with us things that he likes about us. Don't you want the father to tell you there are things about you that he likes? I think he does like things about you. I think there's things that he likes about me. And he wants to tell us those things. But we often overlook them. So how does it help you to know the different reasons that God communicates to you? I want you to answer that. Question two is, have you resisted the correction of God in your life? If so, why do you think that is? Is there something in you? Maybe you had a bad example growing up. Why do you resist the correction that God wants to bring to you, whether it's just directly from the Holy Spirit or it's through someone else? He wants to give us humble hearts to hear him in, any, in anything. And number three, does God ever speak to you about other people? How is the frequency of hearing God for others related to the frequency of asking God for others? And how will you pursue this more effectively? Ask God for prophetic words for people. Do you do this? Are you going to do this? You should do this. In fact, you should do this today. Do this once a day. That should be the way that we look at life. Wake up in the morning. Today, I want to give a prophetic word to one person. I want to share the gospel with one person. And our fourth and final question, what encouraged you most about this chapter and how are you going to apply it to your life? 
God speaks to us for many reasons, and I want to encourage you with that. Let's broaden our understanding and ask the Father to continue to open our ears and open our eyes that we might know Him, hear from Him on anything and in everything that He wants to speak to us about. Amen. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you today for your love for us. I thank you, Lord, that you speak to us, you communicate to us. I thank you for your word that lays out a solid foundation of who you are, who we are, and what we're called to be about. I pray, God, that we would not in any way be a hindrance to the many things that you want to say. And so, Lord, I pray for understanding. I ask for revelation for every student in this class today. I ask even for myself, Lord, help us to go deeper in the knowledge of your will and how you work and how you speak and the things that you're doing around us and in us. I pray that we would be completely available to what you want to say in every way we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you guys. I look forward to our next lesson together. Yeah, I will